Talks, where we have raw conversations about our daily stressors and the effectiveness on our spiritual, physical, and mental health. I am your host, Holistic Hybrid, and we are joined today by Kendra Lachey, an educator, artist, writer, and philanthropist, as she shares her experiences with sexual assault, poverty, and merging her loves for art and helping others. So stay tuned. Hey, Kendra. Welcome to Talking Heels. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Um, do you believe that talking heals? I believe that's a heavy question with no. Um, I think talking is a two-sided coin. You can use words to destroy and manipulate, to tear someone down. Mm-hmm. Or you can use words to empower, uplift, and build someone, including yourself. Um, I think talking can hurt or heal, depending on how you do it. That is very true. Um, well, can you give us an example on how uh, it has healed you in the past or currently? I think a time that really stands out to me always is um, definitely my early years in college, kind of like my freshman, sophomore year, mm-hmm. because that's when you know, the information about, like, my rape, my issues with rape came out. Um, I was raped in high school by my boyfriend at the time when I was 15. Um, I was 15, and at college, we were reading a lot of novels that had a lot of triggering events. Like, in one of the textbooks, there was a very graphic rape scene. Um, and pretty much we were in a small circle in a class my class sizes were about 12 to 13 college students and we're sitting in the small circle and we're discussing this whole chapter that had nothing in it but this huge graphic rape scene and we were discussing it for like an hour and a half two hours and the whole time I'm just sitting there and every I didn't even realize I had blocked out my rape until it all came back and it came back in that moment and that was like the first time ever in that class that that professor didn't make me speak he called my name once and didn't call me on the rest uh, for the rest of the day I guess he like saw it (laughs) um, in my face and yeah sure enough he asked me to stay after class, after everyone was dismissed, which it didn't matter because I wasn't about to move anyways. I was I was just pretty gone. And then as soon as everyone left, everything just like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was the first time I had to talk about it because there was no way I could really avoid like, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not having a moment. I'm fine. This is perfectly okay. Um, so I was kind of forced to I guess I wouldn't even say forced because he really did give me an out. He said I didn't have to talk like I was willing to go. He literally just asked if I was okay. But I think it was at that moment I realized that I was not okay and Mm -hmm. that I needed to talk. Yeah. Did you seek, um, did you seek out a professional to help you out with those triggers, that trauma? At that time, it was really tricky like a lot of people um my family 
we never discuss mental health and even times where there were clear situations where like a counselor probably should have been sought out um it didn't happen even like the school guidance counselor it was never we never really talked about like mental health issues like we just dealt with it we did our work and we dealt with it you know we I grew up in poverty so and like Kentucky poverty I feel like you know I stay down in Miami I think there's a very big difference between city poverty mm-hmm. and country poverty like I feel like I feel like if country people in poverty were in the city, they would feel rich. <laughs> really? Um, yes, because, you know, in the city, you have, like, you have food everywhere. I'm just, I'm confused sometimes. I see chickens just walking in the street. <laughs> it's like in, and in Kentucky, you know, we have all four seasons. You know, I'm in Miami down here. It doesn't really get too cold. You don't even have to stress about being super cold but you know in Kentucky we were there were times we were like freezing you know there were times we were freezing and hungry um it was a really big problem if your heat got cut off in the winter and you know those are months so yeah I feel like there's like a difference between country poverty and civity poverty that's probably a different conversation um but when you're really really deep into poverty all those other things those bad things that tend to happen to you, they take a back seat because food and shelter comes first. And when your basic needs are getting met, like that's your focus, those basic needs. So I don't think it was that my, you know, my parents didn't care. I think it was just more so, you know, they were in survival mode. They were doing what they need to take care of us. And unfortunately, you know, their parents also didn't raise them they probably didn't even like realize the opportunities that existed to get us counseling and I really didn't they didn't know about my rape until college and at that point it would it would have really been on me I was pretty independent at that point Mm. do you still like have triggers to this day yeah for sure for sure I would say I definitely have um triggers and I think that's kind of what I mean when I say talk can also hurt Mm -hmm. um during college I worked with um, domestic abuse victims and sexual assault victims we ended up starting a organization on our um, campus called free it stand for it stood for fighting rape through education and encouragement and you know we got people to talk about their problems and their situations and what I began to see is that like when people would talk about it it would help them heal Mm -hmm. but I noticed there was also like a line if they talked about it too much it was almost like they just kept reliving it over and Mm -hmm. over and over and it almost became like they just became stuck in that moment and because they were stuck in that moment they couldn't enjoy you know the good that was happening in front of them and I think like that's when talking can hurt when you focus too much on it so now I have to like really check myself so for example with all of these issues of you know the me too movement and Mm -hmm. all of these celebrities and all these things to these children I had to step back from social media. It got to a point where, like, every time I so much has popped up, there was something about, like, rape or 
pedophiles or just like yeah any of that and it just got too much so I definitely have learned that at a certain point I have to step back even though you know I'm passionate about it and like you know I definitely support the movement and I want to push things for it there are times I have to like step back and let it go and like heal myself because if I keep going back to the experience experience I keep reliving those feelings and if I keep reliving those feelings it just doesn't put me in a good place I totally understand like um I've been through domestic violence and sexual assault and uh when I was in the military and um I was told you know I need to seek help and get counseling and I always ran away from it because you know um when things like that happen the safest place for some is in your mind, you know, mm-hmm. you just escape and tune anything physical out. And I've done that for years until, you know, uh, I almost committed suicide because of it. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had, it was mandatory for me to seek counseling at this time. And when I met my therapist, oh my goodness, I made this woman, you know, earn her paycheck. you know I was a runner basically you know I would just go there and just sit on her chair and not say anything because I would look at her like you really don't understand it didn't happen to you there's no possible way you can help me and I ran for a good I don't know six months literally every week just going there just sitting there not saying anything and finally you know I just started talking as if she was just you know one of my friends sitting on a stoop and as I saw it week by week, it started helping, helping me out because, um, you know, I was letting certain things out instead of just holding it in. And you actually made me realize it did hurt some points. Sometimes I was living it and I was just telling her like, look, we just need to stop. And I would just walk out. It did hurt. Mm-hmm. It did hurt. And I thank you for that because you did. <laughs> You didn't make me realize a lot of things. Um, I'm going to have to tell her tomorrow that, look, at this point, you were pushing me a little bit too hard. <laughs> but I I do say where you can say that um, it, it hurts. Right. With your foundation, part of change, how did that come along? Part of change, it came about in the strangest way after I was about to graduate college uh, and realized I really needed a job I had a child (laughs) and you know I was in a town of 10,000 in Berea Kentucky Mm -hmm. and there was just like no future there most likely I wouldn't be able to find a job there was like 10,000 people there and I knew every single building so reality hit And I knew that I wanted, I really wanted to work with an organization that helped. That's all I had. I was like, ooh, poverty would be great. (laughs) So I knew I wanted to do something helpful with poverty. And I was researching employment options. And I learned about Teach for America, which is actually how I moved to Miami. I'm currently in Miami. So when I got to Miami... Um, I don't know if you know anything about Teach for America, but essentially what they do is they recruit everyone, but they typically recruit from like the top Ivy League colleges. Mm -hmm. 
from across the state. Um, it's a AmeriCorps program, and for two years they'll place you in the lowest performing schools in the country. So um, I joined that program and I got placed in Miami Dade, and I was placed in Overtown, and you know I fell in love with the community. And I was like Overtown, Liberty City, Opelika. They have my heart. I smile thinking about it. So <laughs> making me giggle. <laughs> but yeah, so I came down here, and keep in mind I'm from very poor rural Kentucky like I didn't see an escalator until I was 16 I mean like it blew my mind I remember my first time seeing you you know how you go to the gas stations and you see the glass lighting yeah we took like a trip to Ohio and I saw one for the first time and like we just kept walking in and out until the gas station kicked us out Like we we just got a Starbucks like a year and a half ago <laughs> in my hometown. Oh, so and you know, I was I was the first one to go to college in my family. I was the first one to go out of state. I was the first one to get on a plane. So when I came to Miami, like when I say I was into a I felt like I got dropped on an alien planet. <laughs> And there was this whole world that I'd only seen on TV and it, like, actually existed. Uh-huh. I mean, the, I grew up, the tallest building was six floors. It was a hospital. And there's all these skyscrapers. And, you know, I'm driving through Overtown. And everyone's like, oh, this is the, oh, this is Overtown. This is one of the blah, blah, blah. Like, it's, it has this reputation as, like, one of the rest ghettos. And, like, I didn't see that at all. I thought Overtown was beautiful. I was like, oh, my God. This is so great. I would love to live here. <laughs> and keep in mind all these, most of these, I won't even say most because I don't know those legit statistics. In my eyes, a significant portion of these people were, one, they were white. And they come from Ivy League schools. So we're talking like Yale, Duke, Harvard. Needless to say, like, they have money. (laughs) And, you know, the college I went to, they only accepted people below the poverty line. So it's like, you know, there may have been majority of whites there, but we were all poor. And again, when you're when you're worried about your basic needs being met, when you're worried about like food, water like things like race and issues like that also kind of disappeared so we were (laughs) you know it really was a bubble um so all of a sudden I was thrown into the situation where I'm surrounded by middle class and upper class people and I know nothing and just little things like I remember we went to a subway shop and some people just ate like one fourth of this sandwich and threw the rest of it away. Oh man. And I was just like like I couldn't believe it. Like that <laughs> just really made my jaw drop that somebody would do that. Um and you know I remember I was standing in the group because I'm trying to mingle. I'm trying not to be like the black person in the corner by herself. <laughs> and I'm trying to mingle and this 
girl i didn't even know what ethnicity she was because in kentucky it's like you're black white or mexican i didn't know what a dominican was i didn't know what a haitian was like i was so ignorant so ignorant and she was talking about how her dad was like racing ferraris and they're talking about all these countries they went to and yeah (laughs) um and needless to say we went to some board members houses and they were all and i met some core members and i would go to their houses and they were all super, super duper kind, which was my first, one of my first big lessons in life. I kind of had this, um, and just interpretation in my head that like people with money were evil. You know, I feel like a lot of times when you grow up, maybe it's just that Southern belt, but there's just like a mindset that, you know, if you have money, money is the root of all evil. Like, no, these people were the nicest people I ever yeah. met. Like they loved helping people. They were sweet. They were kind. And I think it was because they were so happy because they didn't have anything to stress about. (laughs) At least not their basic needs, you know? (laughs) Um, But I I would walk into that house and the first thing I noticed was just the amount of pictures on the wall. And it's like they had a history and they had a family legacy. And I'd never seen that before. I've never seen like people growing up in chronological order on their walls I've never seen like these really beautiful artistic memories of people from the past just hanging on someone's wall and I would just stare because I like I love art Mm -hmm. and to me I don't know I was just like man I don't know anything about my family like we don't really have any of our memories put like this like my parents would like my mom would love a portrait of our family like this <laughs> but like that's not something she could ever afford and that's actually what started part of change I wanted to give out free portraits professional portraits to people who couldn't afford it that's what started and then I realized just like how small that was and now it's turned to you know book giveaways and you know fundraiser walks, toy drives, um, anything that makes a difference, a positive difference in the world, um, all game. That is not small at all. I have to get, I have to commend you. Being, you know, a single mother and at times I have struggled, you know, basically, you know, um, just trying to get by with the basic needs and the fact that you're out there giving, you know, children free portraits for their parents is, that is a lot. You know, they could be smiling at this. That is nothing small at all. I love that. Thank you. Oh, my. Thank you. <laughs> oh man. Um, so where can they, what is your social media platform where others can support you? Um. So there's, partofchange.com there's also um, an Instagram account part of change there's also a Facebook part of change um, if you want my personal Instagram account it's Kendra Lachey mm-hmm. uh, sorry Kendra dot Lachey L-A-S-H-A and yeah <laughs> awesome I appreciate you talking to me tonight oh I fell in love with you actually <laughs> yeah and I just want to shout you out for doing this podcast I feel like this is a common these are conversations that people need to have more often and and there's like so many people to learn from um 
and it is a, like I really appreciate what one thing I really appreciate the, about the Me Too movement is that it's creating a dialogue. Um, sometimes the dialogue is a little bit too heavy for me in the moment, and I need to step back. But I think it's absolutely great that we're starting to have a dialogue because, you know, while sexual assault, like, it affects everyone. It affects a lot of men. It affects a lot of um, boys. I'm not trying to take away that at all. But there is, like, a really big problem with, you know, violence against women. And I don't think it gets talked about enough. Neither do I. And I really think that a lot of people you know, they need to talk about it. I understand it's a heavy topic, but honestly, it needs to be talked about in early stages in life, you know, Mm -hmm. to where they can understand the trauma that they're going to inflict on others or even the, they they could ruin their lives. So I really, I too, you know, sometimes it's a little too heavy for me. It's actually triggering at times and I, I have to back away from it. But sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I do push myself just to be out there. But um, thank you so much for that compliment. Um, I've learned you taught me a lot tonight. And I do thank you for that. Thank you. Awesome. You enjoy. <laughs> Take care. Have a great you night. You too. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, thank you for joining us at Talking Heels. I am your host, Holistic Hybrid. You can catch us here every weekend at 9 a.m. on Anchor.fm. I want to thank my guest, Kendra Lachey, and to you all for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe so when new episodes drop, you'll be alert. Wishing you all an amazing day. Peace.